Welcome to a Calvary Montclair Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will learn of Jesus, grow in Jesus, and share Jesus with other people. Service times are on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. and on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. For addresses and directions, please visit our website, www.cmontclair.com. We pray that you are blessed by the teaching of God's Word by Pastor Joe McTarsney. Today we're going to be challenged to identify and flee the bad shepherds that have influence in our life so we can follow the good shepherd and enjoy that abundant life that he has for us. And so first, looking at Ezekiel 34, fleeing the bad shepherds that want to influence our life. The context here is Israel is in exile, and the few leaders that were left over the people, you know, still in the land, they were bad leaders. And they were using their leadership for their own gain instead of leading to help these poor people. And so we're going to look at who and what influences us. And so I'm a pastor, so all these start with the letter M. Um, We have to alliterate sometimes. So I, I wrote men, media, marijuana, and myths. And those are just categories for people try and influence us. TV and movies sure try and influence us. Drugs try and influence us. And by myths, I mean worldviews try and influence us. And so let's look at three reasons why we should flee bad shepherds influencing our lives. The first is that they will use you. They'll use you. Verse uh, verse 2 of Ezekiel 34 says this, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. Sometimes people... They, they use us for their own good. I honestly felt, I felt this was happening to me two days ago when I was trying to sell my car and I had, you know, 10 people contact me and say they want to offer me this and then they show up and they want to lowball me and they think I'm going to be the one that caves and you're just sitting there saying like, you're lying to me. I know you're lying to me about all these things and, and so especially when buying a car, sometimes you feel like maybe they're not telling the truth in, in those situations. People are looking out for themselves And people don't mind using us to get what they want. And we have to be careful. That happened in Israel. That happens today. Also, they abuse you. Look at verse 4 of Ezekiel 34. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor bought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you ruled." I think this is a, just a, a good application point to remind us of, of what drugs do to people. Drugs and drunkenness, they promise satisfaction, and sometimes they deliver that temporary satisfaction, but then they bring destruction to the lives. My family is going through this right now, just a, a beloved family member just brought into to rehab um, just a week or so ago. It's devastating. What, what drugs and drunkenness can bring. This addiction kills. Romans 6.16 says, Do you not know that whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves? What about the influence, the bad shepherd of media? I think we all know that uh, Hollywood producers, their main goal isn't to edify Christians towards Christ-likeness, right? That doesn't seem to be the main goal, goal of when we listen to music, when we watch, when we watch movies. And that can be proven. Let me just give you uh, just a horrible case study of what happened on the island of Fiji in 1995. See, before that, there was actually no recorded cases of bulimia or anorexia on that island. Now, they were an island completely cut off from Western television, 
and there, there was actually not enough data to show anyone had struggled with an eating disorder. But three years after the introduction of our television to that island, the figure on the island reached 11% of girls, from zero to 11% of girls on the island. And girls living in a house with a TV were three times more likely than others to have an eating disorder. The only thing that changed on that island is that our American television shows were brought there. The, the, the producers of those shows don't have our best interest in mind. They want money. It's all about marketing. So we've got to be careful of these shepherds. Also, they confuse you. Look at verse 5. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered throughout all the mountains because the people of Israel didn't have a, a shepherd over them. They were all over the place, and they weren't united, and they were vulnerable. They were just confused in that season. And this is why I talk about the bad shepherd of myths or worldviews, because everyone has a worldview, right? And they, and they push that on us. So we've got to be careful of how we're influenced of those worldviews. And the church can be influenced by these worldviews. The church can. In 2017, a Barna research project uh, identified worldviews influencing the church, right? Within the church, they found this kind of confusion. 54% resonate with postmodern views. 38% are sympathetic to some Islamic teachings. 36% accept ideas associated with Marxism. 29% believe ideas based on secularism. This is within the church. This isn't just a poll out in the universities. Within the church, this is the confusion they found. And so praise God for churches like this that stand on the truth of God's word rather than just what culture is doing in the moment. So this is bad, right? Those shepherds were destroying Israel. Israel was already in exile, and then they had these kinds of terrible leaders influencing and shepherding them. But thankfully, there was a promise that they would be judged, and they were. But there's also a promise that they would be replaced. If you read with me, Ezekiel 34, verse 23, look at this beautiful promise of them being replaced. It says, I will establish one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, my servant David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. Now, this is after the time of King David, and so this is symbolic. It's typology. It's prophecy of a future servant David, and that's our Messiah, the son of David himself. And so, terrible shepherds in Israel, but there's a promise that they're going to be judged. They were, but also this promise that that shepherd was going to be replaced and that shepherd did come, and we know him as Jesus. And so thankfully, let's turn to John chapter 10, get away from these bad shepherds, and look at the good shepherd who gives us life. Now, the context for John chapter 10 is that Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees. And so there's another bad influence on Israel in this moment. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are, are misinterpreting the law. There was nothing wrong with the law, but their emphasis and interpretation of it um, ended up being uh, hypocritical and overly demanding of the people. And so Jesus here is challenging them. And as we look at this passage in John 10, starting at verse 11, we're going to see six reasons why it is so obvious that we should follow the good shepherd as his sheep. And the first of those reasons is that Jesus cares for you. Do you believe that this morning, that Jesus cares for you? Look at verse 11. Jesus said this, I am the good shepherd... The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves and flees the sheep. 
The wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and he doesn't care about the sheep. The, the minimum wage shepherd isn't going to risk his life for the sheep. I'm not getting paid enough for this and just takes off. Not so with Jesus. This, this reminds me of another shepherd in the Bible. When we look back to David, you don't have to turn there, but in 1 Samuel 17, as I read this account from David's mouth about him being a shepherd, just imagine what it would be like. And, and specifically as sheep, imagine what it would be like to be the sheep in this passage. David said, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came, he took a lamb out of the flock. I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. These poor sheep were actually snatched up. They started to get, you know, ran away by these, by these animals. And David would pursue them, not just safeguard the flock that was left over, but pursue that sheep that was lost and then kill that animal so it would not happen again. Now, I think we've found ourselves in a similar position to David's sheep in our own lives. The serpent of old whispers lies into our ears of sin satisfaction and tries to trap us in that sin. And, and many of us were trapped in that sin. I can look back at a time in my life when I was just in bondage to so much sin before I gave my life to Jesus. But the good shepherd cared far too much for us and his sheep to leave us in that condition. And so what did Jesus do? He crushed the head of the serpent that whispered those lies to us, right? He crushed the head of the serpent on the cross. But unlike David, our deliverance cost him his life. He cares for us, right? He laid down his life for us. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus did that. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So sometimes in our best moments, we can be pleased with ourselves, right? There's sometimes during a worship service or during a prayer meeting that I'm like, all right, yeah, things are going good. I, I love Jesus. But the Father sent Jesus to die for us in our worst moments, right? While we were yet sinners, Romans 5.8 says, that's when that decision was made. He, he knew us at our worst and yet still sent Jesus to die for us. So how do we respond as sheep to this truth that Jesus cares for us? We need to let him save us. We need to stop resisting him. Sometimes we resist and say, yeah, but if I go all in with Jesus, then he's going to, I know what he's going to do. He's going to take my money. He's going to cause me to give money to my friends and things like that. Or he's going to cause me to be weird. I'm going to have to go up to every single person. Every time I buy groceries, I'm going to have to say, these are great groceries. Do you know Jesus? Right? And, and we think if I go all in with Jesus, it's just going to be weird, uncomfortable. And it's just not true. He cares for us, and he knows what's best for us as sheep. Let him save you. Don't resist. Another reason why we should follow Jesus as the good shepherd is that Jesus knows you. He knows you. Look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He knows us. He doesn't just know us in the worship services. He knows everything about us. He knows what we want to do with our lives, what our dreams and desires are. He knows the things we're taking with us to the grave. He knows everything about us. Think of the woman at the well. Jesus knew. He proved that, right? Jesus knew that she had had five men in her life that were not her husband's, right? And yet he didn't act in one moment towards her that he was disgusted towards her. 
right? He just had sympathy towards her, and he still showed his great love. Despite knowing this scandalous truth, he showed love for her, right? And, and sometimes we often pretend to be someone else or something else, and we can be a bit hypocritical. We know the right things to say on a Sunday, but it really comes down to where we fear rejection. If someone really got to know me, if I really confessed my sins to my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, then they wouldn't really love me anymore. But that's just not true with Jesus. It shouldn't be true with the church either, obviously. But it's not true with Jesus. He knows us and he loves us. Right? We have a, we have a good father in heaven. Right? And Jesus is our, our good brother that we have. My, my son Titus, my little two-and-a-half-year-old boy, he's hilarious now. But the truth is, the easiest way to describe him is that he's a, he's a booger-eating, uh, <laughs> having messy in his underwear all day long, you know, little punk, right? I mean, that, that brother, like, you beg him. You're like, Titus, just, just please go to the bathroom. It's been 15 minutes. Five minutes, Dad. Five minutes. All day long. Five minutes for him means never, 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 never. Dad, five minutes, five minutes. We, change, we literally change his... Diaper and pants, three times. Not his diaper, we're trying to potty train him. Three times his underwear, he had these messy accidents, and they were like, Titus, just listen to us. Just listen to us. That doesn't change our love for us at all, though, right? We, don't, we, we love him so much. It doesn't matter that he eats his boogers and it's disgusting. It's true. I and mean, we tell him it's disgusting, right? Thankfully, he doesn't have to worry about getting a girlfriend or anything right now, a little two and a half year old. Maybe just, he'll just stare at other students at the Bible college, and, and they're like, God, oh, it doesn't seem to mind. But we love him. His older brother taught him. It's a sad thing. Listen, God knows us, but still loves us. And so how do we respond to that truth as sheep? Well, we need to open up to Jesus. He already knows everything about us, but it is so healthy for us to be transparent with him and to confess our sins to him and to tell him where we know our motives have gone wrong and what we want him to do with our lives. Open up to him and get to know him. He already knows us. Third reason to follow Jesus is that Jesus unites you, right? We live in a, a really kind of fractured society, and, and there's a lot of, probably because of what America is, there's a lot of independence, and sometimes even within our own families, we have such an independence that we don't depend on each other as much, and it can lead to a lot of loneliness, but Jesus unites us to this body of Christ. Look at verse 16. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring in, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus is talking to the Jews about eventually bringing the Gentiles in and creating this new thing called the church where previously there was animosity between these two groups. Now they would be one together in Christ. Galatians 3.28, Paul says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We live in a time, there's might have been many times like this in our country, and especially today, of great divide in our country and our families and even within the church, and the good shepherd is trying to unite us. He's the one that can give us grace for forgiveness in our heart for those that have offended us within the body of Christ and outside the body of Christ. He's trying to unite us, and so God wants to bring us in. He wants us to be a real family. Right? And he does this by pursuing his and our enemies with his message of love. And that, that, that should be something that gives us hope. Right? We should never count anybody down and out and say, okay, I'm moving on from, from that person. They don't want to hear the gospel. It blew my mind 
the day that the biggest thug in my high school called me while I was working at church and said, hey, Andy, can I visit your youth group? Absolutely not. Why would I ever let you visit my youth group? You, do you remember you punched me in the face? Do you remember that part of our friendship? You know, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, I got saved. I want to be in youth ministry. I'm like, what? How is that possible? How do, you know, and he, he was born again. I mean, he was the scariest guy in our high school, right? It was a good punch he gave me. I didn't, I didn't punch back because I didn't want another punch back at me. <laughs> Right? I mean, I was blown away. I was still afraid to have him come near my youth group. But do you know that was over, that was well over 10 years ago. And every few months when I check in with him, he is just constantly posting Bible verses about Jesus and raising his own kids in the ways of the Lord now. And I am blown away. Now, the reason I'm blown away is because I think too highly of myself, right? Oh, God could save that person. God's like, I saved you. Right? I, I saved you. And we need to all realize our depravity and recognize God is, is uniting us together. We can be sitting next to people that once have offended and harmed us. And so as sheep, how do we respond to this? We need to join the good shepherd and bring others into the fold whether that's by joining the community outreach event where you're going to be handing out tracts and information about the church or inviting people to church or just going to your neighbors and inviting them over your house. We need to join Jesus in bringing others into the fold. Fourth reason why we should follow Jesus is that he is sovereign over us. He's sovereign over us. Look at verse 17. Therefore, my father loves me because I I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Jesus is just reminding everyone here, he's in complete control. He is going to lay his life down and yield up his spirit at the cross, right? He's not threatened by anyone that's around him, right? He is going to do this in his timing according to prophecy, He had all the authority. And what did he do with all the authority over his own life? He used it for us. He used it for our own good. Absolute authority to do whatever he wanted. And he allowed himself to be uh, laid down on that cross for us. And so we can yield our lives over to him because he's good. He's proven that. He's sovereign over not even just his own life, but over this entire world. He's going to work out all these things for good for those of us that, that love him. Romans 8.29, I mean, we see this sovereignty. It says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. We're on this path with the Lord. Right? He is sovereign, he is good, and we're on this path that eventually leads to glorification. We can trust him. That should be our response as sheep. Trust the good shepherd. He's sovereign, he's in control, he's going to do what he wants anyway, but we don't have to fear that because he's the good shepherd, not a bad shepherd. And so we need to yield ourselves and, and get on board with his plan and join in on his plan. You know, there's, there's people that we know that he wants to reach and he wants to use us to reach them. So we can do that or not. Either way, God's going to reach them. He'll use us or use somebody else if it's a part of his plan. But we get the blessing of partnering with God and recognizing his sovereignty. Another reason why we should follow the good shepherd is that he gives freedom to us. He gives us freedom. Verse 19, 
Look at the two different groups we see in this crowd. It says, therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. Many of them said, he has a demon, he's mad, why do you listen to him? But others said, these are not the words of the one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch, and the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long are you going to keep us in doubt? If you're the Christ, just tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but you do not believe, because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, this is a big passage, but in this passage, we see two different groups of people, right? We see some that are coming against Jesus, and we see others that are listening to Jesus and conforming their lives to his. So Jesus is saying the same words to everybody. Everyone has this opportunity, and yet some choose him and some don't. This freedom shows his love, right? That's how love is shown, is by freedom, right? Shannon freely chose me. It was obvious why I chose her, and I was grateful that she freely chose me, right? It wasn't something that she was forced to do, and Jesus doesn't force people to believe in him either. We can receive or reject Jesus Christ. But think about it like this. Think about the prodigal son. The father didn't force the prodigal son to stay. He didn't say, no, son, this is ridiculous. It's my money. You have no access to it. I'm not letting you do this. He didn't force him to stay, but he could have. He could have at least not given him the money, right? And he could have, you know, done that. But instead, he let him leave, even though he knew it was wrong for him. It was probably a painful decision, but his son was free to leave. His son had been free to leave, and once he saw the fruit of his sins and his depravity and his wickedness, he was also free to return. There came a moment where he was just poor, hungry, dirty, and embarrassed, and he realized, I walked away from such a good thing, but I can also walk back into it. And he was received with open arms. His father ran towards him. And so as sheep, what do we do with this freedom that God has given us? Well, we should use our freedom wisely. People always talk about like freedom we have in Christ for selfish reasons. No, you'll notice this. Whenever anyone talks about freedom they have in Christ, it's always because they want to do something that's like a gray area thing that'll bring them pleasure. They're like, well, I've got freedom to do this or that. I've got freedom to drink this or that or to go to, go to this place or to, to try this. And you're like, all right, well, maybe you have freedom to do that, but let's not hijack a biblical phrase for selfishness. Right? When we look at freedom in Christ in Galatians, it's there so that we can serve others. Like, wow, we are free to serve others. That's what we can do with our free lives. That's the term seen in the biblical language. Yes, we have freedom. We've got Christian liberty, and we use that liberty to serve the Lord and to serve other people. So use your freedom wisely. And the sixth reason, and the last one we'll see in this passage, for why we should follow the Good Shepherd is that he shares his eternal life with us. Look at verse 28. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one's able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Right? Jesus is leading all of us as his sheep to green pastures, right? to drink from still waters. He's leading us on towards eternal life. We get to enjoy that eternal life now as we know, know God and experience him, and also in a different way forever. At the new birth, we become God's children, 
And we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, right? We are protected. If you've been born again, then you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so there's this, there's this amazing protection that we see in these verses we just read. Jesus protects us and the Father protects us. And so I'm sure many dads could agree, but as a, as a dad, I am very conscious of protecting my children. It's just one of my main, my main goals in life. Before I go to bed every night, I check the windows to make sure they're locked. I jimmy rig some PVC pipe that I put in there so no one can even open those sliding windows, right? And I've got, I've got fake security signs all around my property and fake security systems. You know, I can't afford the security, but I got fake signs all over the place. Everyone's like, man, that place is protected, right? I check the temperature to make sure it's going to be the right temperature at night for my kids. I go in and I check their beds and I, re I rearrange things while they're sleeping to make sure there's no choking hazards. And you're like, you sound a little obsessive. It doesn't feel obsessive. It just feels like the right thing to do for my children. And when I'm walking in the street with my kids, I'm constantly teaching them about safety. Lately, I'm trying to teach them that when you're at a, a big grocery store parking lot or anywhere, you walk in the middle of the aisle, even though it seems counterintuitive, because if you're walking right on the right-hand side like you're used to, right next to the cars, and you're a tiny little kid, that car backing up isn't going to see you at all until it goes thump, thump, you know? And so I, and that's not a, like, why would you joke like that? But... <laughs> So we walk in the middle, and you, you, all the cars just have to wait until my family is at the grocery store. They have to wait, because that's the safest place for my kids to learn how to walk, right? So all of my life seems to be about protecting my children. And so one example is as I'm carrying those groceries home, and I want, I want to carry all of them at once. This is my weird little thing I always do. Every grocery has to be all up and down my arms. I want to carry them all. It would just be terrible to have to make two trips. So I'm carrying all the grocery bags. But I have children, and so I'll ask Abigail, Abby, can you hold Titus's hand? So they're right in front of me, and I'm watching her hold his hand because he's a little nut, and he might run in the street or something. Our house is right there on the street. And so as, I, as I'm walking in, I'm, I'm, I'm not conscious that my blood, usually I am, that my fingers are starting to throb and I'm blood, there's no circulation. But the main thing I'm looking at is making sure that Titus doesn't make a run for it, even though Abby's got a good grip on his hand. And if he did, guess what? The eggs are getting broken, and I'm chasing after my son. There's a double protection there. Abigail, the oldest, is protecting Titus, and I'm also protecting Titus. Look at this beautiful passage here for us as sheep. Jesus says, you know, no one's going to snatch them out of my hand, and no one's going to snatch them out of my Father's hand. This is love from the Father. He cares for us, right? He's going to protect us. We are safe in Jesus' hand and in the Father's hand because they are one. Paul shows us this in a different way in Romans 8, 38, where he says, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, that passage is pretty clear. There's not even something you can think about in the future. There's not even a future temptation or person or, or anything that will be able to take you away from Jesus if you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And so our response as sheep is to rest in the security of our salvation. We should find great joy in the assurance of our salvation as we see Jesus transforming our lives and as there's fruit in our lives and we, we have the Spirit confirming in our hearts that we can cry out, Abba, Father, something we never thought we could do. So what a contrast between bad shepherds that promise satisfaction but deliver destruction like we saw in Ezekiel 34 and the good shepherd that promises and delivers abundant eternal life. What a difference. 
Each day we're presented with an opportunity of whether we're going to follow these shepherds that want to influence our soul in the wrong direction. And we have to be careful because bad company corrupts good morals. Or we get to follow Jesus. And so my challenge for all of us is that we would flee the bad shepherds in our lives. Any of those categories I talked about. For, for many, it means watching less TV or different TV or, or scrolling less on their phone and putting more restrictions on it because these become an influence, right? There's full-on addiction to phones and TV and, and all this stuff in our culture. Now, Christians say that and secular people say that also. So it's just true. Right? You, can, you could only read secular articles about cell phone addiction, and as a, as a normal person, you would come to the conclusion that there's a massive problem in our society. You're like, wow, even, even people without the Spirit of God in them recognize this is an addiction. Yeah, well, also, also within the church, there's just as many articles. So whether it's that or whether it's one of the other categories that we talked about where you're noticing there's too much influence from a bad shepherd in your life, then my challenge is that you would flee that bad shepherd my wife and I, every because we're not we're not special, we don't we don't have like an immunity to uh, cell phone addiction or anything, right? And so every January for the past few years, my wife and I put our phones away. We put restrictions on them, so we'll use them just for phone calls, and um, we won't go on any social media. We won't watch TV. We'll, we just take a month and kind of detox ourselves from anything electronic, except for light bulbs. Those are really important to us. <laughs> they seem they seem to not be addictive either. Um, and so we do that. It's, it's usually a tough month, and we realize, man, we're probably on our phones too much or enjoying TV too much, because why is this so difficult? We've got our cute kids. We've got each other. We've got board games and a beautiful... We live in California, right? So what's the problem? Oh, wow. It's got too much of a hold on our heart, and we make adjustments. And then going into February, we pray about what our adjustments should be. So I would just challenge you to figure out what are the bad shepherds in your life? And instead, follow the good shepherd who gives you life. Learn to enjoy spending time with him and his people. Why? He cares for you. He knows you. He unites you with the body of Christ. He's sovereign over you. He gives you freedom. He gives you eternal life. All the reasons we've talked about. My prayer is that we would be like what, what Peter says in 1 Peter 2.25, for you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That should be our goal. And remember, this isn't just a one-time at, at salvation kind of a verse. We are sheep, and so we naturally stray unless we proactively choose to follow the good shepherd. And so all of us go through seasons where we need to make adjustments and follow Jesus in a, in a new and different way in that, in that new season. All right, and so I have a couple of questions for families to discuss. I know this is the, the family um, week out of the, out of the month. And so here's a few questions that you can discuss sometime today. One, and they're vulnerable, right? But you got to talk about them. Are there bad shepherds in your life wrongly influencing you and your family? All right, and so you can take some time and just look at your life and say, ah, just like that pastor, maybe the, maybe the phone is too much of an influence over me. Maybe I need to, to limit that a little bit, right? So are there bad shepherds in your life wrongly influencing you? Maybe certain TV shows that shouldn't be watched anymore. Or get VidAngel like I have. VidAngel is an amazing service that filters every little thing out of TV and movies. Um, and so that, that's, that's been a neat thing for us. I haven't heard a curse word in years because of that thing, right? Um, so there's that. Second question, in what ways has Jesus been a good shepherd to your family? Take some time and, and praise God with your family and say, 
Jesus, we just want to thank you that one time when uh, I lost my job and you provided, you know, assistance through these people until I found another job. Or Jesus, I just want to thank you for that time, you know, maybe when your kids aren't around, when uh, you caused my daughter and her boyfriend to break up. You know, thank you, Lord. Thank you. You're a good shepherd. You're a good shepherd. Don't say that in front of her, right? She'll be emotional about it, but... But it's true. You're just like, thank you, Jesus, right? You were fasting and praying for that to happen anyway. Third question, will you craft a family response that reduces the influence of bad shepherds and increases the influence of a good shepherd, of the good shepherd, right? And so maybe that means for my family, um, we try and put a book we're reading right in the napkin holder. It makes it really inconvenient because we can never have napkins in the right place. But the napkin holder on our table usually has... Um, like a family catechism where we teach our kids theology through questions and answer, or a good book that I think is age appropriate for my children to talk about Jesus. And by keeping it on the dinner table, every time we come to the dinner table, it's, it's like a little slap in the face, like, hey, do you want to disciple your kids? I'm like, yes. <laughs> and so I'll, I'll pick it up and I'll just read to them, and they love it. They, re- they really enjoy it. And so we had a season where we had to do that, and it helps to refocus us at least three times a day in our family. So what's your family's plan to reduce some of the bad influence and choose to um, receive the good influence of the, the good shepherd? And so I'm going to pray for us. And if, if that's on your heart, if you just want God's grace to flee the bad shepherds and his grace to pursue him, even though it should be obvious that we pursue Jesus, but if you're just like, I just want God's grace, there's some bad shepherds in my life, and I need, to, I need God's grace to get rid of those and to follow after Jesus all over again, then while I'm praying, then just go ahead and lift your hands up to the Lord as just a response to him and saying, Lord, I, I need this, I need this, and I'll do it myself because I need it.